Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakway. In May 2014, Matt Kwasniewski opened Big Timber Brewing in Elkins, West Virginia, and it's grown to become the state's largest brewery in terms of sales. Elkins is a busy mountain town up in the Monongahela National Forest. Aaron, it's known for being the heart of the state's timber and forestry industry. That's right. And that's how Big Timber got its name, correct? Wasn't the Kwasniewski family in the timber business? Yes, that's right. And so when Matt started up his brewery, the name Big Timber was a natural. And don't forget the brewery tagline, Axe for Big Timber. (laughs) I know. I love those Axe and Timber themes. I mean, the brewery's given us those themes in Double Bit IPA, such beers like Lager Lager, Hatchet Session IPA, and many others. But today, this brewery is much more than just axes and timber references. They've developed a business strategy that's taken them to the top of the mountain, so to speak. And here with us today to talk about their successes as well as their challenges is the leader of Big Timber Brewing Company, Matt Kwasniewski. Matt, welcome back to West Virginia Beer Roads. Well, yeah, thank you, Aaron and Charles, for having me. And I appreciate everything you guys do for the the craft beer community in the state. Big Timber Brewing has accomplished so much since its startup seven years ago. Matt, has it been everything you hoped that it would be? I guess it's been a lot. Uh, some a lot of things that we wanted it to be. There's still a lot of things we want to do. So um, it it's been a journey, and we've enjoyed all parts of that journey. So. Are you happy with where you are today business-wise? Yeah, we're really happy with the way things have gone, where we're at, situated. I mean, wish there was more time in the day. uh, (laughs) Some of these projects were a little further along, but, but, you know, I I can't complain. Uh, Life's been good, so. That's great. Well, Matt, we want to celebrate your success today by sampling a couple of Big Timber brews. First, we have your Double Bit IPA, and as we get ready to pour it, we would like for you to talk about it a little bit and give us some um, information as far as what you think that has made it so popular and why it's so loved in our market. So let's get started. Well, what you guys are drinking is our Double Bit IPA. It's kind of a double west coast style ipa which is kind of funny because when we first created this beer it was really based on some beers we were first getting out like vermont um like lost in sip of sunshine or whatnot and it was citra mosaic heavy um you know more fruit forward uh but what you're seeing now is it's it's transitioned to uh you know, they call it either mid coast or, you know, it, it's more West Coast just because it's got high bitterness um, hops. It's it's a like I said, Citra Mosaic is first and foremost. We've done a few renditions of this. It's got it's it's pretty light malt body. We try to get it pretty dry, so like down to uh anywhere between seven to nine specific gravity around two play-doh um and uh we're just uh it was kind of when we first came out with it it was the kind of the citra we were getting was not good if we could get it at all um and then finally we got a decent amount and we're like okay let's let's try to go with a 
with a citra beer, something that's more fruit forward than, than our traditional IPA, which was more pine and, um, and dry. But we, we were still in the mindset of keeping it pretty dry. But at 8%, it'll sneak up on you. Um, you know, it's got a medium <laughs> mouthfeel. Yeah, this I want to make sure people see the color of this beer. It's a, a beautiful straw golden color and then it's maybe just a slight haze, Matt. I mean, uh, just a little bit of a haze on that. Yeah, so we run this um, we run this through our centrifuge usually. So it, it's spun. So we get most of the solids out of it, but, but there's still a little, little protein left, a little chill haze perhaps. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so it'll vary from slight haze to brilliant sometimes just depending batch to batch, but okay. pretty much the same. Yeah, the it's got good head retention too. We're seeing on here, I'm noticing, you know, a nice head still on mm -hmm. this, this glass and both Aaron's and mine. And, uh, that's always something I enjoy seeing in, a, in an IPA. Mm -hmm. Fantastic aroma too. So are you, you've obviously tweaked the recipe over, over time here and there and or have yeah, you feel like you're sort of dialed in or? No, I mean, we, there's very rarely when we're satisfied with a beer. Um, and if it is, it's a moving target. We think we nailed it. And then we do it again. And it's like, what is this? We need to fix this. So it, it, it's always an issue. But um, no, we actually, uh, we tweak it a little bit, but the malt stays pretty similar. Um, and it's, it's, it's our biggest uh base malt um beer we do on a regular basis it just there's very little specialty grains in it just because we want that dry um we we like it to be drinkable and not like cloying anything um and we kind of i think the market's kind of going that way more and more people are getting back to kind of the dry even with like a heavy mouthfeel you're, you're seeing more beers finished dry i feel than a year or two ago yeah, and this beer is one that you keep bringing back year after year after year and month. What? How many months a year do you, would you say this is out in the market? Because I know it's probably not 12 months a year. It is on draft 12 months a year. Cans, mm -hmm. it's kind of it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, this year we've produced way more in cans than we've done in the past, just because we were on a on a IPA can squeeze. We were we were clean out of cans for about a month and a half, even though they were ordered nine or ten months in advance so well you know seven years that's a a long time for west virginia brewery you're i mean even though maybe seven years doesn't sound like a lot in some businesses uh, seven years here in west virginia you're one of the older west virginia breweries now you know we've had so many brand new ones come up in the last uh, five years uh, so along the way in any business seven years there's changes made um and this year has been a pretty big year of, for changes, at least the last 12 months for you, uh, especially when it comes to brewery personnel. I mean, you've had a couple of people who were original uh, partners in the brewery move on to other opportunities, and you've added some major additional uh, brewery expertise or brewing expertise in, in there. And so I, I, I want to start, though, by asking you, who's taken over the outside sales and marketing role that Sam Mosey used to do. And Sam was certainly in our part of the state down here in Southern West Virginia, he was sort of the, 
the face of, of the brewery for so many years there and the one that really did such a great job helping you get established in our market. Yeah, so um, we we did a partnership consolidation and bought out Sam Mosey and Amber Kwasniewski, my sister. And now it's just the myself and my wife, Ashley, that are the owners. Um, and to take over Sam's role, we hired uh, Jared Ray, and uh, yeah, kind of your your sales manager, salesperson. They're they're going to be the face of your company. They're who most people see at events. Um, so, and uh, Jared's been with us for it'll be a year in early December. So, but with COVID restrictions still going on, there's still a lot of people that he hasn't met, and it's a uh, yeah. Any sales job, it's it's kind of a personal experience. Like you get to meet the person. So so Jared's still still kind of going through the motions. But most people, uh, most of our distributors have met Jared, and he's getting out to more and more accounts. And trying to yeah, I mean I think that's a little different from when Sam started or when you guys started. You were self distributing, and so it was much more important for your marketing guy presence to really be out there in the accounts and see people because. They were actually truly doing the sales where now with distributors, uh, it's make a lot of that uh, sales and marketing becomes distributor relationships too. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that's really grown is like the distributor relationship, but it, it is uh, um, once you get established, which I, I mean, we're, we're still trying to get into some places and whatnot. So it's, uh, but yeah, when we were self-distributing, it's easy. You get to sit there and talk to people where um, that you're making the sale to. Where with distributors, you still have to get out there and talk to those people, um, put a face with the company because the distributors will help sell it, but you also have to educate them on your product, and then you're not the only product they carry. So, um, yeah, it's it's always your work is never done with <laughs> sales. So. That's a true statement. Well, Matt, um, I know, you know, we did the um, beer can label art session with your sister Amber a while back, which was really cool. And, and she's moved on now. But I'm curious, who is actually handling your label design and your social media now? Um, well, at the moment, I'm doing label design, which uh, they're, they're a lot more uh, simplistic. And, you know, fortunately, Amber, like, she had a lot of stuff so I can just move it around, copy paste. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff already digitized and made up. So, so I, I can turn out some labels pretty quick. Um, social media, uh, Carla Spear has taken that over. She's also bartends some of the time, but she's our social media manager. So she's been doing that since, uh, it's a little over a year now, I believe she's taken that over. So, and okay. she'll be out at some festivals and whatnot, so people will get to meet her. Great. We know there's nothing more critical to a brewery uh, that's growing to the size of Big Timber than maintaining a strong, professional brewing skills. And Mattis, uh, your brewery approaches the four or 5,000 barrels a year production levels. Uh, those things become even more important. And I guess you added Brian Miller this year, and we've not talked to you about that yet. So I'm kind of really curious about uh, how you came upon Brian. And I mean, a lot of us know him certainly from his Green Bar Valley Brewing days. 
Uh, and he's certainly brewed a lot of other places professionally. He's probably the most experienced professional brewer that anyone has in West Virginia. So I'd like for you to talk a little bit about how you made the decision to bring Brian on to your staff and how he fits in with all of your brewing personnel. Yeah, so uh, Brian came on, I think, in May, May or April, I think May. Um, but anyways, uh, our brew staff, we got Chris Newsom, Sean Phillips. Um, Chris has been with us. He, he was the first person I had helped me in the back. And then, uh, so he's been with us for six, it'll be seven years in, uh, in, um, in the spring. And, uh, and then Sean, uh, when he was finishing college, um, he came on as an intern and he's been with us, I think it'll be four years in the spring. Um, so they've been two of our long tenured employees. And then, uh, you know, uh, Brian was coming up here. I was seeing more of him. Um, he, he was dating a girl from Elkins, one of our regulars, actually. So, uh, and we started talking and then he's like, uh, hey, Matt, I'm, I was wondering if you needed any, any brew help or he's like, oh, I just want to get up to Elkins. I want to be closer to, to his girlfriend. And I was like, um, yeah, I mean, being in Elkins, it's pretty small labor pool. So if, if you get somebody with that kind of experience, I mean, at least in mine and Ashley's idea, like, it's like, we need to make room. We need to find a way to get somebody like that to fit. Cause that opportunity doesn't come around that often <laughs> in West Virginia in general, usually, let alone Elkins. So. Yeah. So Matt, have you given Brian some special responsibilities that, you know, enhance, I mean, that kind of like fit with his skill set? Um, I mean, as far as, I mean, Brian's, he's taken over uh, night shift brewing. Sean was doing that, but, um, which Sean's still brewing quite a bit, but not as much. I got him, Sean, Sean ferments everything <laughs> like, as a hobby. He's, he's still homebrew. Sean, Sean the ferment guy, huh? <laughs> yeah, he, he's still, he's still uh, homebrews a lot, but I mean, he's made really close to, like most fermented foods and beverages, he's made it. So, um, and, and he wanted to explore a lot more with that. So I got Sean kind of, he's been, been working on some of our more more fringe uh r d so and and i mean there's still production to be done cans to be filled so everybody's got to wear a lot of hats but brian's been uh he's been doing night shift brewing um for a couple months now so well uh you know we've talked about brian are there any other key additions to your staff that you'd like to mention that just come on board um, well, over the, I mean, with COVID, everybody seemed to like uh, skip the Disappear. year. Or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, we, we've had some, some changes, but, uh, yeah, it's, there's never a dull day. So unfortunately sometimes. <laughs> well, I'm wondering if, uh, we could move over to letting you talk a little bit about the challenges of operating a brewery in the mountain area of West Virginia, you know, in a small town up in the mountains, as far as, you know, how that does that affect your production distribution, taproom operations, and what do you find to be uh, the key to obtaining and keeping good distribution, uh, you know, out of a small town in West Virginia? 
I mean, there's all kinds of challenges. Um, you know, I, I grew up in manufacturing. I was always, uh, I like, I like creating something physical. Uh, and, uh, I guess growing up in, in Elkins, like you, you realize that it's, everything's a little further away than, uh, um, a lot of other towns like you can't just you don't have a, a lab supply store you know on the other side of town or anything so we always try to carry inventory and which has helped us with a with the supply chain shortage but now we're getting short on space and storage um and it's just that's one thing uh you got a smaller labor pool um you can't commute as far so you want to make sure you take care of your employees and um you want to make sure they're happy and uh, you know retain them it's not like you're gonna it's not like you throw up a job post and somebody from a brewery across town might be interested it, it just it doesn't <laughs> so it's, it's yeah you can't there's no instant gratification i guess so so you got to you got to be always aware of that and um and distributors we always you know from day one we've always tried if somebody ordered something whether when we self-distributed everywhere it was a bar it was like it was always on us to like we always found it really important to make sure that order was filled or to communicate it beforehand that we wouldn't have that and try to give them a substitute product but that's that's been kind of our that's our production kind of mantras, you know, if they give you enough time, don't make excuses why they didn't get the beer. So, which sometimes bad things happen and you can't avoid it, or, but. Well, you're not a, you're not alone in that, you know, so, so many of our breweries are in smaller towns and of course, West Virginia is a state of small cities and small towns. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, we're lucky to have uh, in, in that sense, the breweries spread around and, you know, you guys, though, kind of come out of the center of the state almost, really. I mean, you're up in the mountains, but it's more centrally located. And you can probably, you know, recruit, I like say recruit, probably attract, I guess is the right word, attract customers to come down to your tap room oh, sure. from whether it be from the eastern part of the state or the northern part of the state or even the Charleston area. It's surprising how many people drove through Elkins before, like to get somewhere. I mean, I mean, we still get a lot of people that like, oh yeah, we've we never really think to stop in Elkins when we're going to Thomas, and it's like, but um, you know, as we've been established, like our tap room has grown every year, and it's we're starting to get people that you know might come visit somewhere or come visit. And somewhere in the area once a year but they always they stopped visit us once enjoyed it and now they make it a an annual stop so and it, the tourism has really helped out i think i think that's one thing that COVID actually kind of helped was people weren't getting on planes so they were driving and west virginia being where it is or very rural sparsely populated but there's a lot of population around us so instead of getting on a plane they drove three or four hours and they come visit so well let's uh let's move on a bit and talk about some accomplishments that you're you personally are the most proud of for your brewery 
Um, yeah, as far as accomplishments with the brewery, I, I, it's nice that uh, we were able to start a business from the ground and now it's something that supports my family and, uh, you know, supports some of our employees' family. We try to be very conscious of, uh, you know, our community and, and the people that we are, that have the most invested in the company and it. Every ounce of beer we make, we sell in West Virginia. And honestly, we, we still don't feel like we've completely fulfilled that as far as, you know, delivering product when it should be and like consistency and the best product we can. We're going to keep focusing on that until um, we're somewhat satisfied, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. So, so at that point, um, does that mean you may be adding employees in the future? And aside from that, how many employees do you have? And I guess a better question is, do you anticipate adding to that in the future in order to accommodate that? Yeah, well, Ashley's a little worried whenever the new tap room opens, we'll definitely be adding some employees because we got, we'll have some food, not a lot, but it's just a bigger, uh, a bigger area. We'll be able to host more events, um, more flexible with that. But we're um, actively recruiting uh, some seller help. Uh, but right now we got six full-time guys in the brew house, not counting myself. Um, and then we got three people and Ashley um, working in the tap room. So yeah, I'd, I'd like to add one, possibly two more people in the cellar. Um, so far this year, it looks like uh, we'll put in solid growth. So it's always like we've been growing since day one, expanding since day one. It's uh, it's there's again never a dull day. Some bad ones, but most of them good. So yeah, sounds like you guys have definitely been going through some, you know, for lack of a better term, some growing pain, so to speak, but in a good way. I mean, you're building your staff and, and your brewery and all just everything all around. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And we think like, I think we've done like 20% growth, not counting last year, but for around 15, 20%. And that's about what we can handle being in where we are, the labor pool, and just making sure we maintain quality and consistency. Um, yeah, I, I literally just drove to Maryland yesterday, picked up two 15-barrel fermenters to hopefully, uh, well, we, we've been, we got two, we have two 15s, and we were, the original intention was to use them as uh, yeast props to grow them to fill our 30s and 60s, um, but they're always taken up with specialties and one-offs so so now we might do that but yeah coming up we're like I got all the guy uh Chris Sean and um Brian I told them all I'm like you guys all make a beer I, I'm not gonna have anything to say about it um the only thing I'll I'll figure is like how much we package or how much we make so so that'll be exciting I'm I'm excited to see what they come up with but <laughs> maybe a little scared, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> That's the fun part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I know you told me uh, before that, you know, when you started the new brewery uh, and, and you bought some bigger tanks because, you know, you, you thought you needed some large lager tanks and some large ale tanks. 
for your, you know, your, I guess your flagships that you put out in distribution, which I know you did. And of course, then COVID hit, and, you know, things start to change and you start making a lot more small batch beers, which we've noticed, you know, and I don't want to talk about those beers specifically. We're going to get to that a little later. But I think what I wonder is like, how has that impacted it? Does that's part of why you brought those new 15 barrel fermenters in so that you can expand and keep going with your smaller batch programs? Well, yeah, and um, we got, usually they're always tied up on small batch. We've been wanting to do some, something with some more, like some different bugs and uh, whatnot. And uh, it's just, or we got to rush or transfer something, maybe a little sooner than we'd like just to get a, get another beer in there. Um, but like I said, it'd be nice to have something to prop yeast, like if we're brewing, our 60s are usually IPA, um, you know, once in a while, seasonal or porter or lager. But, um, you know, if if we want to pitch a new strain of yeast, that, that gets expensive. So we'd rather be able to grow it in the 15, but the 15s are never open and then pitch in the 60s. So it's just, uh, it's, it'll be a cost savings, but it definitely opens up a lot more flexibility in the brew house. Just that's a great thing about fermenters and tanks. The, the more you have, the more variety of sizes, it, it just kind of, it allows you to get creative on the production side. So. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's time to sample another Big Timber beer. So what do you think? This time we're gonna have a dark beer that's been one of the core flagships for Big Timber Brewing Company. And it is Big Timber Porter. And Matt, we definitely want you to tell us about that beer. Let's just get it open. So Big Timber Porter was our second beer we ever brewed. Uh, first beer I ever made that I was happy to put it in our commercial portfolio when we got open. So, um, and it's been, out of all our beers, one that we've tweaked the least. So we've always been pretty pleased with it. Um, and it's, it's I, I used to, I mean, we were talking about it today, about 50% of all the beer I used to drink would be a porter. Um, there were some great ones when I was living out West for a couple of years and uh, yeah. And so it, it's near and dear to my heart. and. Uh, uh, it's done really well for us. So. Well, there's there's so much flavor with this one. There, can you can you get into that a little bit without me being the one talking about it? They they want to hear you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, Porter, we use five different specialty malts in it. Um, it's it's heavy to the brown malt. Uh, if you're interested, a few years. I mean, it's, it's been a few years at least, but, but we posted the recipe with brew your own. Um, but yeah, a lot of brown malt, um, some dark caramel, caramel malts, chocolate, you know, it's, it's, it's big and rich, but it's not like, it's not cloying. It's not heavy, um, finishes dry. Um, you know, we, as a description, description, we put chocolate coffee balanced on there. And there's no chocolate in it. There's no coffee in it, but it's just, it's the, the roasted malt flavor coming through. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we like the balance because it's, 
it's bitter but it's sweet it's uh it's rich but it's dry um <laughs> so it's just it's it's a beer that we drink and we enjoy it and it's uh we think about oh well, what can we do to it and there's we don't do much to it so <laughs> well that's good yeah, I mean, this is a beer that you see in distribution everywhere. It's in uh, GoMarts, in Walmarts, it's in Kroger's, it's around. This beer, I mean, I guess along with your IPA, uh, probably has uh, the best distribution of any brewery in, uh, or any beer from a brewery in West Virginia. Yeah, and, and that's one thing, whenever we were coming to market, I mean, the market's changed so much, but still, like, dark beers don't get much love and distribution and there's a lot of people out there um that drink predominantly dark beers and uh and that's i mean I, I guess that's like the whole macro beer thing in a nutshell it's like well they always worried about their biggest seller like these little sellers they cut out and eventually they didn't make anything but two or three beers and it's like Porter is not our biggest seller. It's it's up there though, um, but it is a beer that I don't ever see like disappearing from our po portfolio just because it's 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 a dark beer. We're really happy with it, and uh, there's a a niche of that audience that that's the beer they want to drink. So, um, and it's I mean I get a little disappointed when I go into a bar or tap room and it's you know, they got 20 taps and 18 of them are IPAs. It's like, <laughs> I drink a lot of IPA, uh, hoppy beers are what I drink the most of, but it's sometimes I'm not in the mood for it. I want something different. So, so that's, that's why we really try to push getting Porter available to, you know, short drive for everybody. You know, the thing is with beer, it's like, if it's a well-made beer, I'm going to enjoy it, whatever it is. So, um, otherwise I don't need to drink it. So, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, upcoming beers now at Big Timber. You have some good beers coming up for November and December. Uh, we got new hazy coming out. Um, jazzy juice, I think is what we determined the name, but that should be hitting market. Uh, and, uh, Towards the end of October, early November, um, we have a Brett Britannomyces Pale Ale. We did a uh, uh, bag of screaming goats. That hey, well, also... goat goats. Bag of screaming that goats. G O A T S. Bag yeah. of screaming goats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> weird music reference. That's our first like Brett specific beer. It, it, it's a barnyardy fruity funky pale ale um, Ooh, nice we got our uh, we did a pro-am competition uh with like a pastry style and we're brewing uh we'll actually adjunct it tomorrow so probably in a couple weeks as well we'll have a uh, steve straley's uh vanilla orange chocolate cream stout sort of coming Ooh, out that so, sounds fantastic so what was the inspiration for that one uh well with the local homebrew club uh appalachian brew club abc we were looking at we've done like pro-ams with them before so this time i was like well let's do a pro-am but category is pastry stout so, so that one was the winner um 
we brewed the beer a little. It's been sitting in a 15 for a minute. Um, finally got oranges in. It's kind of took a little while, but but we'll be adding them, add them tomorrow. Um, won't take too long before it's out. Uh, we got a barrel aged barley wine coming out. Um, and that was, that was an interesting story because we brewed a beer that was a ton of crystal malt. I'd never want to put that much crystal malt in a beer, but we did it to barrel age it um, to blend in with our stouts if we thought they dried out too much. But whenever we taste the barrels, we'd be like, we really like this beer. <laughs> it's like, we don't want to blend it with anything. It's great as it is. So, so we'll have, uh, that'll hopefully be coming out mid-November um, and it's been in barrels for a couple of years. Alpenglow and Frost Notch will be coming around soon. Um, so Frost Notch should be seeing it like early mid-November throughout the state. Alpenglow will probably be early December. So um, that's our cranberry, orange peel, uh, rosemary, goza. So That's a lot of great beers. I mean, some of the more popular ones, plus some really new ones that you're bringing to market. And it's all exciting. And again, I love that because uh, as we were saying a little earlier, your small batch program has really taken off, I think, for you. Do you think that given that little list of beers you just went through that that kind of speaks to where you see the market going? Um, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of funny you ask that because I've been talking, Ashley and I have talked about it a lot, and I was actually talking with the guys up at uh, uh, Old Mother and Frederick. That's we, we kind of went in with them to buy tanks, and that's where I picked up the tanks at. Um, and it's just like, uh, I, don't, I see the market going a lot more... Um, you know, kind of, kind of focused on like older beer styles, like either lighter drinking or drier finishing. Like, I don't think hazies are going anywhere, but uh, I think pastry stouts will be around, but I don't think they're going to be as popular sought after as you always saw them. Same with like, like our fruited sours. We're, we're going to focus more on like uh, keeping them just like, uh, fruit and lactobacillus we're kind of getting away from um the basic beers with lactose in them um i think they're fun we'll still do them they're not going away but i i felt like last year we might have went a little heavy into them and uh i i don't know like i we we've done some light beers this year we did uh babushka the grzitski and that was I really enjoyed that. It's a smoked beer, so it's kind of polarizing. Uh, we did like our farmhouse table beer. It's like 2.6%. And it's, it's, I don't, we got really good uh, feedback on kind of those lighter, just, you know, I'm the, I don't want to say like beer that tastes like beer, but beer that tastes like craft beer. I've had some like really, really off the wall, like, um fruited beers that i swear they taste just like puree and it's like i don't want to go there because I, I don't yeah. so but you uh, also this year uh, got into the seltzer game uh, your cherry lime seltzer i'm not sure if you've made others but talk a little bit about the what you were trying to do there yeah so actually last year we brewed the first batch uh we didn't really distribute it um uh, um 
it was for my brother's wedding. So his wife liked them. So, so we brewed a batch. Um, and, uh, some of the guys, they, they enjoy them as well. So, so we did that, but we kind of stayed true to like our, uh, what we do with our fruited sours. We, we've never used puree. We've always done whole fruit and processed it in the facility. It takes a lot of time. Sometimes they're fun days. Sometimes they're bad days, but it's, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, I like keeping ingredients as simple as possible. Um, so yeah, so we did cherry lime. We've done two batches of that. Uh, we enjoyed it. And again, we like that it's like really dry and clean. It's, we're not, we're not trying to make it something it is and it's just alcohol, water and flavoring basically. But, um, so we're going to, we are going to try to expand that maybe a little, um, just do a few different flavors, but, uh, again, it's, it's something new and different. And, um, like I was talking about before myself and we got three very well experienced brewers on staff and it's like, we all like trying something different or changing things. And it's, it's, um, so that's the great thing about being, being our size is that we have the opportunity to do that and it doesn't hurt as much when something doesn't go as we plan so yeah there's a lot of directions i can see right there at big timber brewing yeah it's not just one thing it's uh, many things yeah just a quick question um you said you always use a whole fruit do you locally source that when you can uh yeah we we try to locally source this sometimes we do stuff one problem and i have a big gripe about it is the seasonality game so you know we're you're brewing you're brewing pumpkin beers in august and you're you know like uh, i like them i haven't had one for a little while actually well i say that but we actually tried one today that um old mother gave us but uh it's just like to get out in the market and that's that's one problem with like uh distribution we got to start things like a couple months before maybe or plan about it and it's just so usually whenever your fruit is actually in season that's what people want to drink and it's like well some of these beers they might take a month to make and it's uh you're not buying fruit in season so but sorry long long answer uh no, but we, we try to locally source. Uh, we used to pick our cranberries. Uh, we don't do that anymore. Um, we, uh, like our river cruiser, we're not going to get local dragon fruit, but we get local cucumbers from my brother, and, uh, my parents, their farm. Um, that's where we send all our spent grain. So that's uh, cool. But yeah, you know, I, that's one thing that I would like to do better. Um, it's just time constraint. It's kind of easy to call up a wholesaler and say, Hey, I need 800 pounds of frozen strawberries. And we get them, but, um, we're, we're definitely going to work towards that more because there's a lot of great fruit grown in the state. Um, yeah, we've done like, we've done some really small batch, like taproom only, like, uh, uh, pawpaw and some other fruit, but, 
No, that's awesome. That's that was exactly the answer I, I was looking for. I know it's challenging doing local local sourcing, but I was just curious. So yeah, and for the record, I know your brother Matt. He's a local farmer. Mm-hmm. Yep. So my parents, my parents and my brother, they have a they have a couple hundred acre farm. They raise cattle. My brother does a lot of produce. Um, so grows about everything. He runs like a, a community-supported agriculture and has like a farm store. So, so him and his wife. Um, yeah, yeah, they've, they've been busy. They actually uh, just uh, rented some space at one of the old butcher shops that uh, closed down. So he's going to try to get that going again. Of course, the big news that we're looking forward to is the development of the new tap room. Uh, talk a little bit about that if you could. Yeah, so it, it's it's definitely been a work in progress. Um, so we want to make it unique and, um, you know, make it an experience, give something back, like make, make it a destination for the community. Um, so tap rooms take a long time, but uh, I think people will be excited when it opens. We're working, we're working with the city to get um, the river back into proper shape. So we're hoping big things with that. We might be, uh, uh, we're on a board trying to get the, get like a river walk going and, uh, um, but yeah. yeah let, me, let me just, like, let me cut in here for just a second. You, you brought up the, the river. A lot of people that haven't been to your tap room, uh, the, the brewery and the, the new tap room will be right along a, a branch of the river there, right in Elkins, right? Yeah, yeah. So like Elkins is, it's right on the Tiger River, but uh, late 60s, they, they diverted it for flood control. It still flows and it's the, the original like pathway of the river, but there isn't much on it. And it's kind of like hidden. I think it kind of got forgotten in Elkins a little bit. So we're trying to bring that to the forefront. And I mean, I love sitting by the water, and drinking a beer, enjoying myself. So, so. And I don't think I'm alone in it. So you're definitely not alone in, in enjoying sitting by the water and having a good time. There's that, you know, that's kind of natural for our state and our tourism and, and everything about our, our West Virginia breweries and, you know, just just enjoy nature and, and have a good beer. So uh, like uh, myself and Ian, who uh, he helps on the packaging side, um, run the can line, but he's a contractor as well. So we've been working on timber framing the new tap room, but we get about one day a weekend and it takes about one day to cut one post. So I think we got, we're down to about seven or eight posts. Then the roof will go on. And then hopefully sometime next summer, we'll have tap room open. Sounds great. Looking forward to it for sure. Um, so before we wrap up this interview, I would love to hear your thought on basically any changes, improvements, and West Virginia State beer law and regulations that you want to see for you and your brewery and for West Virginia craft beer in general? I'd love to see some changes, uh, but I, I'd like to see some like direct shipment. I know that's a big thing, you know, putting a barrelage limit on it um, and it could be a low amount. You're not going to ship a ton of beer, but it's like for some of our big stouts, some of our distributors it's it's a pain for everybody to handle it sort of where it's kind of a a more expensive item and people are willing to pay shipping on that um 
So it'd be nice to see that relaxed a little bit, especially out-of-state shipping. That'd be great. Um, you know, there's there's some weird ones that I think also kind of stifle uh, stifle growth and production. Um, but it seems like the state's working with some of the stuff. I'd like them to get rid of the ABV limit. I mean, yeah, wine and uh distilling is classified under production methods why isn't beer classified under production methods if we're not mm -hmm. distilling it but we're still using yeast and grain it should still be beer no matter what abv reach but you know yeast can only handle so much alcohol no those are all great points and, and similar to what we hear from other brewers distribution is the biggest and the abv limit is definitely second i believe yeah Everybody that I know in this industry, in this state, in the craft beer industry, nobody's out there trying to manipulate people that shouldn't be drinking into drinking. Like they're out there to <laughs> produce beer for people to enjoy. Like they're out there to seek flavor, see, you know, what you can do with malt, hops, yeast, water, and adjuncts. So, well, I think that uh, about wraps it up for us this evening. Thank you very much, Matt Kwasniewski, the chairman of the board up <laughs> at Big Timber Brewing in Elkins, West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Matt, very much. And, and we definitely have enjoyed our interview this evening, and we really look forward to your new tap room next summer, you said, right? Yep, yep. So uh, whenever we get close, um, I'm hoping next summer I've been... That's been a moving deadline for a long time. Uh, no, that's fine. Either way, we look forward to it. And of course, wish you the best of luck. So thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, thank you. And thank you guys for setting this up and uh, doing all this for us, um, getting our name out there and the West Virginia beer scene. So we, we, we might boss some gripe and think we're... Uh, more special than what we are, but we really appreciate all the efforts you guys put in for that. So. Uh, we love working on it. We love drinking Big Timber beer too, so. We do. Cheers. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.